Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, it's November and the holiday season is rapidly approaching, so let's talk toys. We've got Chris DiPatrillo from Figures Toy Company, and Brian here is going to beg him to make his action figure. Mike, you know you want to brawl underneath your Christmas tree this holiday season. Maybe I do, maybe I do. Plus, we'll have your promo about nothing and so much more, but first, tell him George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 184, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett, I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler, he is Mr. Inside Edition, he is one half of the bouncers, he is the brawler, Brian Malonis. Hey buddy, happy birthday! Yeah, it is uh, when this is released, my birthday. How'd you know? It is. Well, because we've been friends for many years. So the big 5-0, happy 50th, bud. You How you feeling? son of a bitch. <laughs> what? What? You made it to 50. Great job. Not even close, Brian. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I'm doing well. Not, not even close, Michael. Not close. <laughs> It's getting there. I mean, no, I'm still in the first half of my 40s. <laughs> sure you are. Sure you are. I still say early 40s. You're still in your early 40s? Yes. Are you getting the old, you know, one finger, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever Frosting? you want to call it, the old, the old finger wave? <laughs> we talked about this on the podcast, Brian. I don't know if you remember. We had uh, Chase Del Monte on, and I had uh, just that day gone and... Uh, visited the doctor and he introduced himself to me <laughs> in a very special and unique way. I mean, how do you feel now that uh, your insurance is paying for that rather than uh, you buying it on the street? Oh, you... <laughs> what, is, what is this in the past couple of weeks with your uh, innuendo? Not in your endo, but you know, innuendo. I don't think there's any innuendo about that one, buddy. That was, that was straight. That was uh, straight up the middle. Well, uh, not joining us is the uh, owner of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy and Chaotic Wrestling. Brian Fury is not here. Yeah, he- doesn't this guy ever show up for work? What's the deal? <laughs> You're one to talk, Kingpin <laughs> Brawler Brian Malonis. Uh, Brian Fury is currently down in the Disney, right? He is yes. This this is uh, this is uh, an excused absence. This is more than allowed because uh, I'll be doing the same in, <laughs> in a couple of weeks. But don't tell anybody, especially not my kids. Couple of weeks. Couple of weeks, buddy. Yeah, we're gonna be there for ten days. You haven't uh, put in for time yet. I haven't uh, seen an email from you or anything <laughs> like that. Have you seen my PTO request? <laughs> Who gets to approve that? I think that's me as the head of the corporation. Oh, I think that's a conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Brian Fury should be back maybe next week. I'm not sure. Hopefully, we'll hear from Brian Fury next week. But we are here, you and I, the old, the originals. Yeah. The WPN originals here this week. And uh, some original t-shirts over there on BrianMalonis.com, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the, 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 the beer, 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 beer one is no longer on BrianMalonis.com, but... Uh, that one can be found on the ROH Pro Shop in three different colors, Mike. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, you can get it in red. Um, I'm a little colorblind, so it's either navy blue or purple um, <laughs> and, and the traditional black color. Um, so that, that one's over on the ROH Pro Shop now. Uh, but uh, you can get the new uh, Drinking Bears That Care t-shirt. 
Do you like how I said that, Mike? They're trying to avoid litigation. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I probably have to move a couple more units before it becomes even a problem. Uh, with I don't, I don't even know who produces that particular toy line, but uh, hopefully, parody laws would protect us. But you can get those drinking bears that care. Uh, you can get the old Kingpin logo T-shirt, the Brawler uh, T-shirt, and of course the uh, WPAN Curtain Jerker t-shirt mike which i have to break the news to you is the worst seller out of all of the t-shirts on brianmalonis.com well because you're not pushing it properly it is the greatest (laughs) t-shirt in professional wrestling podcast history i i I do agree i do enjoy the curtain jerker t-shirt i think you did a fabulous job on it mike maybe it's time for a second uh uh, wpan t-shirt what do you say what do you think you have it in you to design a new one, Mike. I, I, I'm, I am. There, there's place for it on BrianMalonis.com uh, if you're feeling froggy. Well, I'm too busy designing shirts for our vantage point. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of garbage. Unsolicited, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, that that's good. Why would we want to try to make money for our podcast? Just keep making money for the podcasting machine that is uh, OVP. They are the they are uh, in tandem the new uh, Conrad Thompson of the podcasting world. Maybe they are. You did see that raw design, did you not? The uh, OVP looks like the old original Monday Night Raw logo. I don't know if I've seen this. That's the first one I produced for them. More to come, perhaps. For free. I have to, just to even, uh, to get anything out of you, I gotta, like, plead and beg and and do and jump through hoops and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, you're just producing stuff for them, just, you know, willy-nilly. Well, if you get behind the WPAN t-shirt like you're supposed to, I wouldn't have to go elsewhere. I figured, you know, my funding of uh, of this, the almost entirety exclusively of this podcast uh, might uh, matter somewhat, but apparently not. By the way, the uh, the WPAN.com domain uh, recently I, pay, I paid for again. So just, um, just wanted to let you know that I'm making oh, my d- contributions. You dug deep in those pockets for the $27 for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, the WPAN.com, that is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, our official website here for the wrestling podcast about nothing. And you can find uh, the ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing. All the various podcast platforms are right there. Just click on the one you like and subscribe. Also, there are the social media links. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media media platforms but you can find them all right there so you can just click and go and follow us on all those different locales and there are bios for the two of us there should be uh, one for brian fury coming very soon he's probably uh running it up right now on the beach in uh florida he's not on the beach do you even know what's at disney world <laughs> there's Jesus. no beach there no i mean there's a caribbean beach resort with a a faux beach where you can't actually go in the water and and then there's the uh, there's the uh, the beach club, which again is on uh, a body of water that you can't go in. So, well, that really defeats the purpose, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you want to go swimming in fresh water with some gators? Well, you never know. Uh, <laughs> you, no, you do know. You stay out of the fresh water in Florida. Uh, don't stay away from the WPAN.com because there is the bios, there is the photos, there's uh, lots of ways to. Learn more about us. Learn more about the podcast. Check out the WPAN.com. Mike, did you hear me? Did you hear me plugging the WPAN on the Take a Bump podcast last week? I did not hear that yet. I'm planning on it. It is in my queue. I will listen, as I always do, to Brian Melotis' appearances, even though you never listen to mine. <laughs> well, I mean, they'd have to be advertised. I, uh, you know, I, I don't even know. When was the last time you did one? It's been a minute. Yeah, I mean, let, let's face it. Which one of which of the two of us is getting the podcast request, my friend? You're getting a few more. You were on Take a Bump, which is the name of the podcast with Danny Picard and former ROH World Champion Matt Taven. So that check that out if you haven't heard that from this past week, as I will be doing. And uh, yeah, good for you, big guy. What about my? You didn't know I was bilingual, did you, Mike? Now I do. What did you think? <laughs> well, I didn't exactly check it out yet. I saw the link. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I, I send I send it to you. I'm 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 very proud of this. Uh, of course, I'm not bilingual. Uh, the author of the stories. Uh, author is that the proper term for a for an article uh, interview? Author, writer. 
writer. Yeah, whoever. He he was very gracious to send me the the questions in English and let me answer in English and then uh, do whatever he had to do on his end. But very cool uh, to kind of break into uh, a new audience and be able to do something like that. So very grateful to have opportunities to just have all sorts of forms of media to reach out to fans of mine. It's very smart, Brian. As I've mentioned a couple times here, your contract is coming up. So why not, uh, you know, open it up to Lucha Libre promotions in Mexico? <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I, uh, nothing concrete yet, but I, I fully expect to make my way down to uh, down to Mexico in the coming year. Really? Yes. You, will, will you come with me, Mike? Maybe I'll already be down there. You never know. Perhaps, perhaps you'll have to show me around. I mean, you've told me about these uh, famous street tacos, and you know, I, get, I get very excited about them. So, yeah, it's it's something. It's happening down there. <laughs> it's bro. a scene, man. <laughs> it's a scene. <laughs> All right, I think it's time to get into our guest, which you actually procured here for the wrestling podcast about nothing. All right, we are being joined by the chief marketing officer of Figures Toy Company. Chris DiPatrillo. Hello, sir. Hello. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. Not too bad. Now, we got this uh, thing together because you actually met Brian Malonis, right? Yeah, we met over the summer at a convention. Uh, we got to talking about everything that's been going on with uh, my work at FTC and Ring of Honor and a whole bunch of other good stuff. Brian, you want to make this interview happen because you're hoping to get in a future Ring of Honor figure line, right? <laughs> well, of, of, well, of course. Uh, of course, Mike. Who wouldn't want a, a action figure made of themselves, especially uh, a pro wrestler such as myself? Now, is this where you beg? <laughs> well, actually, are you the decision maker, Chris? How does it, how does it work when it comes to the Ring of Honor line? He, uh, he, he and I have already uh, discussed it, and after this initial wave comes out, there is the list of talent to follow up on for the second wave, and the bouncers are on that list. So we'll be looking at developing something once we start getting the initial releases all trickling out in 2020. Ooh, fantastic, fantastic. We'll have to get some updated shots uh, by that point, though, Chris, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We want to stay as current as possible with that, because I know they did the whole uh, backstage photo shoot for a lot of you guys, and we were working on, you know, Bandito and Marty and Mark Haskins and all those guys that will be coming out. And as those all see a release, they're all in varying levels of production now. There's the list that includes, you know, the Bouncers, Tracy Williams, PJ Black, all of those guys. And we'll basically have to reconvene with the office and see who gets to come out when. And then uh, I guess they'll be posing for some more photos after that. Now, Brian, do you think you'll be able to compete uh, with King Kong Bundy when it comes to the weight of your figure? <laughs> I mean, that might be that might. You're talking about the LJN figure, right? The old LJN King Kong Bundy figure <laughs> had like a significant uh, weight to it. Oh yeah, I mean, gang members put away their blackjacks and carried around that Bundy figure back in the '80s. I mean, that thing could have knocked out anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what do you th What do you think, Brian? Can we make it happen? Mike, come on. I mean, I know you're out of the loop on on anything modern wrestling, but. Uh, Wrestling figures have come a long way. As much as we love the LJNs, wrestling figures have come uh, a very, very, very long way. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about how far the Figures Toy Company has come. I understand you were there from the very beginning, Chris. Not so much the beginning of Figures Toy Company, but pretty much from the beginning of our uh, move into the wrestling industry. Uh, this December on my 39th birthday will also mark my 20-year anniversary at Figures Toy Company. That's a... Uh quite a run. How did you get involved in Figures Toy Company? It was purely by happenstance. So Figures Toy Company back in the day, um, you guys may remember this, listeners may remember this, before eBay was a thing and it was so easy to get things online, Figures Inc. was a mail order catalog and they had a lot of ads in like the after magazines. They sent out their own print catalogs. And one of the things they were carrying were the Hasbro figures. They had a surplus of mint on card Hasbro figures that they got when Hasbro ended the line in the mid 90s. And my buddy happened to order a Hasbro green card and the green card set was like the rarest set. It was the final set. And he ordered the Yokozuna figure and called them because the PO box was listed as being Johnston, Rhode Island. My buddy lived in Cranston, Rhode Island. I grew up in Johnston. So we were like, where is this place? Like, does this store exist or is it just a mailing address? 
And they were like, hey, you know, we're over in Cranston. We've got a warehouse. It's not a storefront, but you're welcome to come by and pick up your order. Very speakeasy-like. And we walked in, and while my buddy was getting the order pulled, I happened to notice some WCW VHS tapes, got to talking about those. And Anthony, who's the owner of Figures Toy Company, who's my boss, realized that, hey, this kid knows a lot about wrestling, and I could probably do something with that. And he took my information, and a couple of weeks later, he called me and asked me to come down. And on December 16th, 1999, I walked in there, shook his hand, started that day, and have grown in the business, uh, both with the wrestling side of it and with the non-wrestling side of it, but pretty much anywhere Figures Toy Company wanted to evolve into, I was a part of it, and I'm still there. So you're a longtime wrestling fan, then, I take it. Oh, yeah. I've been watching wrestling since I was about four years old and never stopped. When you got this opportunity with Figures Toy Company, did you have any other experience with toys? Other than collecting them and spending all my money on them? No. (laughs) (laughs) So how did this all work out? What was your first job for the company? Pretty much just a jack of all trades. When I got hired, they had just started moving more towards the wrestling stuff. They were doing the ECW and the WCW replica belts, and they were actually doing both of them at a time where neither organization wanted exclusivity, so they were able to get away with doing both. Of course, WWF at the time wanted to be the only belt in town, so we weren't doing those at that point. But they were getting the online presence. They opened up the WrestlingSuperstore.com website. They were doing more than just the Hasbros. At one point, we were getting New Japan figures, and there was a mask maker giving us masks from Mexico and Japan, like replica masks to sell. It was just like anything they could get their hands on, they were trying to do. And one day, it would be, hey, you know, take pictures for the catalog. The next day, hey, do some data entry. The next day, hey, we're taking a ride to go check some stuff out at a warehouse. And I was just all over the place until once we secured the WWF license, which was towards the end of 2000, I mentioned uh, in early 2001 how they had purchased you know, the rights to WCW and ECW when they bought them both out. I said, well, why are we going to stop doing WCW and ECW belts when they own the intellectual property and the trademarks to everything? And after my boss had a meeting with WWF and WWF agreed to allow us to continue producing them, just making sure they had like the WWF insignia on the leather strap so you could tell the difference between the originals and the ones that were continuing to be produced. He basically took that as, okay, this kid really knows what he's doing and he's helping me out a lot. Let's give him his own office and let him do some other stuff. And from there, it was learning how to do wholesale orders. It was working with Jack specific on how to do exclusives for our company, handling all of the DVD inventory. So whether it was the WWE stuff or shoot interviews or getting Cornette to send us master tapes from OVW, uh, just doing whatever I could to expand the company. And uh, I'll put it to you this way. They moved down to Tampa 10 years ago this past summer, and I'm still living locally on the East Coast. I'm here in Rhode Island, and I've maintained my position even though they are miles and miles away to this day. So you're doing pretty well for yourself. You know, I'm trying to do as much as I can, especially with being able to run, uh, you know, the wrestling side of things as far as the figures. You know, myself and Tony, which is my boss's son, who was 10 years old when I started. You know, I started when I was a kid, basically, and he really was a kid when I started. And now the two of us are just overseeing these figures and trying to take them, you know, out there to collectors and show them that there's more than just WWE in the marketplace. It's funny thinking about like now you when you look and you watch. Uh, I mean, I know I know I see it, and, and every company has the replica belts now that you see. Just you know, thousands of fans in attendance of uh, pro wrestling events, like just carrying these things around. But I, as a kid, I just I don't remember that growing up. Do you know, uh, you know, where you guys were as far as like were you the first company to start producing this sort of product, or, or do, do you kind of know where you kind of land in the? And like the history of like these replica belts, because these, I mean, again, my recollection, I don't remember these being a thing until probably the Attitude Era. Yeah, I mean, we really were the ones to take them to, I guess, like the mainstream, you could say, kind of making, you know, before that, they were like a niche product. You had the guys like uh, Reggie Parks and Dave Milliken, like those guys would make like commissioned replica belts, but those are also more high end and would cost a pretty penny. We were the ones that were like the more affordable replica belts. The original WCW belt was $150. And I believe the ECW ones were 175. So, I mean, this is going back in the day, 1999, 98, 99, and you could get an authentic replica belt for less than $200. So if you were a you know hardcore collector or college kid or a guy in his mid to late twenties, and you know you were in the audience, you were going to buy those things. You were going to wave them around. Um, I remember going 
when we launched the WWF belts, it was at WrestleMania X7. So we were in Houston Access at the Astrodome, and we sold every single belt we had. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Again, when you think about, too, like just how big that industry just has become for the the replica belt market is, um, I mean, big business, big bucks at, these, at this point. Especially with uh, man caves and stuff like that. You know, the guys that have their man caves in their trophy rooms, it became more of like not a status symbol. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it's, it's like a decorative piece now as well. Yeah, from that uh, foam WWF belt that didn't even look like the WWF belt at the time <laughs> to these like perfect exact replica belts that you guys are putting out. That's quite a, an evolution there. <laughs> My poor father had to super glue that damn plastic plate on the, on the front of that w, old WWF belt throughout my childhood so many times. <laughs> well, how many people were you hitting with it, though? <laughs> you know, probably <laughs> just like my baby sister and whatnot at the time, you know? It's <laughs> very nice of you. Um, so we've, we've mentioned the Ring of Honor line, but you also have uh, at least two other wrestling lines. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. You have the Legends of Professional Wrestling line and the Rising Stars of Wrestling line. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Those are both of our in-house brands. You contact these guys independently to be a part of this? Yes. So the Legends line actually dates back to before I was hired. You mentioned King Kong Bundy earlier. We actually did the Legends of Professional Wrestling series, uh, launching it with King Kong Bundy. And those were the figures that you might remember have the bloody variants. So if you've ever seen them before. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. Yes. There's a Killer Kowalski one as well. Yep, Kowalski, Abdullah, Ivan Putski. So those all, the, the Bundy predated my arrival, but all the ones that came out afterwards, like Abdullah, Ricky Steamboat, Eddie Gilbert, a lot of those were actually my doing too. And uh, a fun factoid is that the reason that line originally stopped is because that's when WWF and Jack Specific were looking to put together the classic superstar series that they wound up doing for years and years. And because we were uh, licensed by WWE at the time to do the replica belts, we pretty much agreed to amicably stop the line because we didn't want to impede on the arrival of the classic superstars. It would essentially be like competing with ourselves when we had such a good relationship with WWE. I relaunched it when we initially got the Ring of Honor license a couple of years back. And when we were doing Ring of Honor and relaunching the Legends, you know, I made the play for my boss to start signing indie talent just because of the way talent can expose themselves on social media and how they you know market themselves and showing them like pro wrestling tees as an example and stuff like that. And every so often he'll say, okay, here's your budget. Here's how many guys I think we can handle in production. Go ahead. You know, I trust your judgment. Go ahead and grab whoever you want. So everybody that you've seen so far in the modern legend set and in the rising star series uh, was someone that I got in touch with, that I contacted, uh, that I made the play for and put them into production. Yeah. I mean, one guy that, you know, it's funny in, in you, when you think about it and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure his first ever action figure, Vince Russo, which is, uh, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. And then another person who would figure would have probably had one along the line or long somewhere along the line, but hasn't Francine. So that's going to be a cool feeling, uh, producing, uh, I mean, people who have been around the wrestling business for so long, producing their actual first action figures. Yep. And that's my goal for those lines too. Cause I mean, especially with ring of honor, like a lot of you guys on the roster, it's going to be a first time ever figure. And that's a great feeling for the talent to get, you know, more merchandise. And a lot of guys that grew up on action figures are obviously going to want one, but it's also, it's not repeating anything that's already been at mass market. You know, I'll see people, uh, for instance, when we first got the ring of honor license and people were like, are you going to do punk with the basketball shorts? And are you going to do Cesaro, but as Claudio? And it's like, Okay, so both of those guys have about 700 figures combined between the two of them. Obviously, we couldn't do them anyway because they had no stake in Ring of Honor at the time. But my goal was always to do the guys that had never been done. You know, we did the Delirious, we did the Dalton Castle, the Matt Taven, we have Bandito coming out and Kenny King and Shane Taylor and the guys like that. You know, those are the guys that I'm proud of because... It's a first time thing and you know, who knows what could happen. You know, they could retire tomorrow and that could be the only figure they ever had. You, you know, you never know what's gonna happen in wrestling. So my goal with the in-house lines with the guys that are signing directly to us is really to target talent that's never been done before. And you know, we'll even have a lot of talent proactively reaching out to us. There have been plenty of people that have reached out that haven't come to fruition. Some of these guys were people that initially reached out to me before I could get in touch with them. But Francine and Russo, those two examples that you bring up, they actually actually both mentioned separately that there were plans for them at one point or another 
and they just never came to fruition. Uh, Russo, I think, was going to be done by Toy Biz for either WCW or TNA. And then Francine, I believe, was planned first for ECW and then for the ECW revival in WWE to the point where she was scanned, but neither ever came to pass. Yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. People like that have been around so long. And then I think of uh, somebody who uh, has had action figures in the past, but uh, not for not for quite some time. And uh, we think of like somebody like Jim Cornette. And and I think I think the coolest thing that everybody's sort of doing is is all these action figures are in scale with one another. So uh, you could, in theory, you know, if if you're if you're a kid or uh, if you're a grown up who collects, you could put these action figures together, and it's not like putting, uh, you know, a San Francisco toy maker uh, WCW line next to, you know, a Jack specific wrestling figure. Right. Yeah, you don't have a vibrating sting taking on a Jay Lethal figure. <laughs> <laughs> There's no plans for any vibrating. Fi- Please make Brian Malonis the first vibrating ROH figure. <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you, Mike? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll stay away from that then. <laughs> I mean, if I market something as the vibrating bouncer, then, you know, that might wind up on some sites that we don't want to cross promote with. So <laughs> <laughs> me and Mike can talk to you about our old job sometime. <laughs> we, we might have had that product. <laughs> so I'm hoping, Chris, that you could take me through like the process of getting a figure made. Say like you're, you're contact one of these indie guys. Now, do you have them sign a contract? It works twofold. So like with Ring of Honor, you know, our contract is with Ring of Honor. So what happens there is any and you know, Brian can attest to this, is anyone who's on the active roster, anyone who's got a contract with ROH, the licensing agreement gives us access to the roster. So ultimately it is up to the office to say, This guy can do it, this guy can't do it. But if you're on the roster, if you're a regular in Ring of Honor, Odds are you're going to get an action figure in the line for as long as we've got the license, for as long as we can do it. With the Rising Star series and the Legend series, what the talent does is they sign a contract directly with Figures Toy Company. So there's no middleman. It's, you know, let's say Brian's not in Ring of Honor, but I'm signing him to a contract. So Brian signs the contract with me. He signs his rights over to Figures Toy Company for production of an action figure. And now Figures Toy Company is indebted to him to make that action figure. Uh, We have the term worked out, the payment worked out. All of that is done directly from Figures Toy Company to him and vice versa. Once we have the contract signed, we work with the talent on gathering photos. So we get as many reference photos as we can of a headshot, of the body type, of the gear, whatever gear the talent wants to use. Uh, We're very hands-on with letting the talent tell us, you know, hey, I want to use this shirt or these boots, or I think my figure should have this. And as long as it's within the realm of possibility, as long as we have access to what we need to get it done, that's exactly what we do. We want it to be as current and as, you know, good looking and as close to the real thing as we can have. So once we get all that stuff going, we have a sculptor. You know, a lot of these toy companies are scanning these figures with the laser technology and the 3D technology. We have a sculptor that formerly worked for NECA. And if you're familiar with NECA, they do a lot of those like Gremlins and Terminator and like the horror movie figures and stuff like that. He's worked on some pretty intricate stuff. He hand sculpts all of our wrestling figures, all of our DC Comics figures, the Three Stooges figures. He does everything. So that's why we gather as many reference photos as possible. We send the sculpt that he makes over to the talent. They approve it. Hey, you know, my nose should be, you know, turned up a little bit this way or my eyebrow should look like this. Any changes? He'll fix it. Once they approve that, the head gets cast. It gets painted up. We have the design team draw up the concept art for the costume and the tights and everything like that. All of that goes off to the factory, tattoo work, anything like that. And within a couple of months, you'll have a prototype. And then after that, you've got mass production. And then you've got a shiny new figure hitting the marketplace. Now, can you say, does like the talent that signs with you, do they get like a flat fee or is it like a percentage of what is sold? Everybody gets a fee up front. Uh, they also will get a wholesale discount on buying their own figures. You know, talent that wants to sell them at shows, you know, they want to sell autographed copies on their site like Cornette did. Uh, any talent that signs with us has a permanent wholesale discount. Uh, they also get several of their figures for free upon release. There's one figure that I remember there was some controversy. The Kevin Steen figure, you produced, the, I think that was the first ROH line, right? Yes, he was in Ring of Honor Series 1. It didn't come out until he was already signed to WWE. And I remember there being some issue where the company WWE was not happy that this Kevin Steen figure came out. Can you elaborate on that? 
Oh, absolutely. That is, it's one of my favorite stories to tell because there was so much uh, misinformation from so many people and someone actually just brought it up recently. So um, that's another thing that should be mentioned. So as long as a figure has gone into production, and this doesn't just speak to figures toy company, but there have been talents that were in WWE that jumped to TNA and still had a figure come out or vice versa. That's just the lay of the land. Contracts run out, people bounce from fed to fed. It is how it is. It's how it's always been. As long as a figure has entered production, so as long as a sculpt has been done, as long as the art has been drawn up, as long as work has been done as that figure, that figure has every legal right to enter the mainstream marketplace. That figure can be released. That figure can be made into a final product. So the Kevin Steen figure, Kevin was not drafted, but Kevin was asked to be a part of the initial lineup when we first got the Ring of Honor license while he was still under contract. Production time on a figure takes roughly a year to 18 months. That's pretty much with any company, but especially with ours being an independent toy company and working with other licenses that we have due dates on certain figures as well. Say on average about a year or so. So in the interim, he goes over to WWE. Now the figure sculpt was released. It was the week that he showed up on Raw to challenge John Cena and kick off that feud. So this actually was even after NXT. This is like when he hit the main roster. From what I understand... WWE was not aware that he had the figure coming out because he didn't tell them. And I don't know what the protocol is to say, hey, you know, I was in this company and they have this t-shirt or this figure or whatever in the works. Uh, I'm not sure how that goes. All I know is that apparently they were unaware and they felt blindsided by it. I guess he caught some flack for it based on the hearsay that I've heard. I don't know how true it is or not because I've never spoken to him directly about it. And WWE were the ones feeding out a lot of the misinformation of, well, this toy company is going to start making Ring of Honor versions of guys that are on Raw, which if you're Daniel Bryan or Claudio Castagnoli or Tyler Black or any of those guys, your merchandising rights and your likeness now belong to WWE. So there's no legal way Figures Toy Company could ever do that, nor would we have done that. You know, Even if there was a gray area, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to do all the new guys. So the figure legally came out. We had every right to release it, but then it created all of this false information and you know a lot of questions being asked you know how is this possible are you going to do these other guys you know what's the next wave going to look like do you have to cancel any figures as long as we've got a figure in production whether it be an in-house brand or if it's someone who's in ring of honor now that decides in the next year they want to not resign and go elsewhere if that sculpt if that design work if that production run is going on that figure can still come out. We haven't had to cancel any figures that have been announced. There were a couple of figures that didn't come to fruition because the original deals ran out. Um, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were in the first editions of the Rising Stars of Wrestling, and we did have variants planned for both of them. But when it came time to re-up, we just weren't able to come to terms with them. So that's why the Kenny Omega figure is actually one of the hardest figures to find. The last time I saw it on eBay, it was going for about $250. Holy smokes. <laughs> and it's all because the variant never got to come out. Obviously, Kenny has come a long way since three years ago when that figure was released. But yeah, those were the only ones that never got to come out only because their initial deal ended. Um, every original figure that we've ever planned on or announced has come to light. The stuff we heard about the backlash to the Steen figure coming out, is that all that you heard or did you guys hear from WWE? I didn't hear from them directly. I know that there were people in touch with Ring of Honor um, about what was going on, or at least certain people in Ring of Honor were in touch with Kevin or people in WWE about it. Um, I know that my boss had our legal team, you know, on standby to talk anybody down who needed to, you know, get the 411 on what was going on there or any clarification on what was going on there. But I myself never caught any of the backlash because usually if it's something that's that heavy handed, um, that's when my boss will kind of take the reins and be like, all right, step back. Like, you know, I'll worry about it. Cause at that point it's not so much the toy line, it's the company having to deal with something. So that's when my boss will kind of take over. So I myself didn't catch the backlash. It was pretty much all just the hearsay that I was getting from every which way from talent and from people behind the scenes. And then obviously seeing all the stuff up on my timelines on social media. What an incredible world we live in. I think it just goes to speak to the, just the incredible world we live in and pro wrestling these days where that's even possible where guys coming from the Indies or coming from a company like ring of honor, uh, I mean, I mean, there's so there's so many you can um, you think of right now who, especially in that Ring of Honor line, that they had already kind of moved on by the time 
uh, by the time that action figure came out. So the first action figure for a lot of these guys who um, are really becoming household names are, you know, we're, we're part of the Spring of Honor line. We're, we're part, we're wrestling you know, action figures that you produced. I mean, just coming to mind right now, guy, you know, guy, a guy that we're really close to, uh, Ivar of the, uh, the Viking Raiders and, and his partner, you know, uh, Eric. Uh, so Ray Rowe and Hanson. I mean, their first action figures are uh, figures toy company action figures. And right now, you know, these guys are the current tag champs. And if you want their action figure, your guys are the only ones out there right now. Yep, they're the only ones. Uh, it wasn't until the last couple of months that Mattel released a Cassius Ono because we had two different Chris Hero figures available, uh, which are still available, actually. So, yeah, there are a lot of guys that it either took a while for them to be made or, like in the case of the War Raiders or the Viking Raiders, they haven't even been touched yet. You know, I'm sure that probably, you know, in the next year or so, especially now that they have the tag champs, I'm sure probably by like the summertime, we might see some type of rendering from Mattel. But yeah, if you're a current fan and you're like, oh, Christmas is coming, like my kid loves the Viking Raiders, I got to get those figures. The only ones you're going to find are the original War Machine ones from that original Ring of Honor line. Chris, I saw on your Twitter, at Zach Malibu, can I ask you what, why Zach Malibu? <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, it's a long story that I'll try to surmise. Um, but in addition to loving wrestling, the greatest TV show of all time in my eyes is Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and so growing up, I had uh, when I had hair, it was nice late blonde hair that I fashioned in the style of the main character on Saved by the Bell. And uh, back in junior high, my buddy just made a joke and he's like, hey, what's up, Zach Morris? Because I was always like the preppy kid with the wavy hair. When I got to high school, my hair grew out a little bit. So my girlfriend in high school used to call me her little surfer boy, which I hated. But then one of my friends nicknamed me Malibu. And it was just a merger of the two nicknames. And it has stuck ever since. So pretty much anywhere you see Zach Malibu, it is all directed at me. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I thought maybe you would, uh, a side gig with NXT. It sounds just like an NXT name. <laughs> no, if I was in NXT, I'd be something like, uh, you know, Devin Killshot or something like that. You know, some type of really outlandish name. Speaking of NXT, I did see on your Twitter, there's a plan for a Shane Swerve Strickland figure based on what we were just talking about with Kevin Steen. He is in NXT as Isaiah Swerve Scott. Now do you see, do you foresee any problems with this? No, because with Steen, that was, you know, he was in Ring of Honor and, you know, that's while he was done while under contract to Ring of Honor and everything. So that spared us that. With the individual deals, Shane Strickland signed that last year before he ever signed with WWE. So a talent signing with any company never trumps our deal because it's not us preventing them from wrestling or from doing any other merch or anything like that. It's just us having the toy deal. So in the sense of a guy like uh, AJ Styles, you know, we did AJ Styles figure while he was in New Japan and appearing for ROH and stuff. And we actually still had him under contract when he went to WWE. It didn't override his contract. We actually beat Mattel to the punch. But if there's ever a circumstance where, you know, a talent reaches out to us or has concerns or anything like that, you know, it's all on a per diem basis on a case by case basis. But, you know, we're not trying to hold anybody back from anything. We're just trying to make that we can carry out the original terms of our deal so you know i know in some instances uh compromises were reached like i know like our aj styles figure was able to beat mattel's to market so we had a window of time where our aj was the only modern aj on the market and it's just a case-by-case basis but if i sign i sign joe schmo tomorrow and Joe Schmo gets a developmental deal two days later if i've already started on that figure and he signed a contract I have every legal right to continue to pursue that figure, even though he's now working for a major company. Now, Brian talked about the Vince Russo figure, the Francine figure that are upcoming. One that I saw that's coming out, um, a guy who was like a sensation on the indies. Now he is a part of AEW. Joey Janela has a figure coming up for Figure Story Company, right? Yes, he does. Yep, that's one of the ones that's actually the closest to release, uh, probably within like the next couple of months if not by the end of the year then probably by the new year i know he's one of the ones that's furthest along in production what else is coming up soon from the company um we've got a lot already in production we've got joey janella shane strickland uh scott norton for the legends line chris candido for the legends line francine we've got the vince russo we've got chase owens juice robinson david finley and jay white all from new japan all ego Ethan Page, who's over in Impact, this is one of the tag champs right now. 
uh, Flip Gordon is in our Rising Stars line because we actually talked to Flip back before we launched the new Ring of Honor line. So he'll actually be coming out. And, you know, like you mentioned, all these figures are in scale with each other. So the Legends, the Rising Stars, and Ring of Honor all match up. So don't feel like, oh, Flip's in one line. He's not going to match up with Ring of Honor. It's perfectly fine. And there's a, a couple more names that are yet to be announced. I've got two more Legends to announce, two more Rising Stars. Uh, we've got all the Ring of Honor talent. You know, we mentioned a few names before, but just a few that were revealed. Uh, Roosh, the current world champion, uh, a whole bunch of the Women of Honor, Kelly Klein, Mandy Leon, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, Bandito, Mark Haskins. They're all coming out. Uh, there's going to be new versions of Jay Lethal and the Briscoes, who are some of our original releases. We'll be updating those. There's about 50 different wrestling figures in varying levels of production that'll all see released by the end of next year. Holy Toledo. Uh, one of the names, <laughs> one of the names you brought up there that uh, piqued my interest, Scott Norton. Now, will there be a flapjack Norton variant of that where he's in like full flannel? Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking to do variants. I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, maybe I can talk to Sly Stallone again over the top two pack going. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Scott Norton, a frequent uh, promo about nothing uh, on on this podcast, as uh, his his former incarnation as Flapjack Norton. So we're both big fans of Flapjack. Hey, you know, I grew up watching the AWA. You know, all those syndicated shows. I'm with you 100 percent on that. Beyond, uh, you've mentioned a couple of them, but beyond the wrestling lines that you have, Figure Story Company has the DC license. Yep. So Figures Toy Company does the retro style action figure, which if you're an old school collector is very similar to the old Mego toy lines. Uh, Mego toys did a lot of Marvel and DC and uh, various TV shows licensed through the 70s and early 80s. We have a licensing deal with Warner Brothers that allows us the rights to the DC universe for retro figures. And when I say retro figures, it's more meaning the style of figure because it's not just the likenesses or the look of the Mego figure. We've got a lot of really modern, updated, great-looking figures like we've done Bane, Harley Quinn, the Creeper, uh, you know, various versions of the Joker, both the old school and more modern-looking ones. Uh, we've done a good chunk of the Super Friends cartoon universe. For Hanna-Barbera, we've done Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest, Birdman, Space Ghost, so lots of Saturday morning cartoon stars. We have a licensing agreement with the Three Stooges, so we've done several different sets of those uh, based on the different shorts. So you can do the Stooges in police uniforms or in their suits or in their doctor outfits. We have a deal with the Monkees. We have a deal with Kiss, which led to the creation of a wrestling figure that I don't think anybody, including myself, ever thought we'd get, but there is a Legends of Professional Wrestling WCW Kiss Demon figure <laughs> licensed by Kiss in our Legends line, which was pure luck, but has proven to be one of our biggest sellers because if there are any two markets that are quick to collect anything they can get their hands on, it is wrestling fans and Kiss fans. You know, that's an interesting story that you say that because I actually wondered why it was that you guys could produce that action figure being that it was a WCW character, which obviously a lot of the like all the likenesses and whatnot are now owned by uh, WWE. So that, that, that's a great tidbit that, that you know, the, having the Kiss license allowed you to do that figure. Yep, they, they remained in charge of their license. You know, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley oversee anything that's licensed out by KISS. So that was basically on loan to WCW. WCW didn't outright own it because it's the same pattern makeup as Gene Simmons utilizes and everything. But it really came to pass because Dale Torborg, uh, who now works with the Chicago White Sox, but he's Florida-based. And when FTC moved down to Florida, he became really good friends with my boss and his family. And he still does the occasional appearance as the demon, uh, not wrestling, but he'll do conventions and stuff like that. And when we we were doing the legends line i was just like what if we ask kiss if we could do a kiss demon figure and at first it was like well you know we got to see what they say but dale was all about it and as soon as kiss gave us the okay it was like all right like this thing is going to be awesome like let's put this in production like now and that figure i mean i have to say we hit it out of the park. You know, I mean, I don't like to sound cocky. I mean, I'm very proud of what we do at FTC, but that figure, I will put that up against any Mattel, Jax, Super 7, whatever toy company you want to throw my way. That demon figure came out awesome. I think that's one of the best figures out of any license we've ever done. Here's a question. You've done all these great things. If you could have one license right now, your dream, whether it's something like, you know, from your childhood or whatever, what would be the one thing? that? What would be like your ultimate, like, you know, get for a toy line if you if you could have a hand in it 
I mean, I've been pushing for Saved by the Bell figures for the last 20 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would be all about that. <laughs> but I mean, it's but see, it, it's cool working at Figures Toy Company, too, because my boss, my boss is only 10 years older than me. So my boss was like practically a kid when he was, you know, growing the business and starting out. So it's almost like we're kindred spirits. We have like a lot of the same interests and, you know, we do wrestling because he was a wrestling fan growing up. And then you got me, who's like an Uber fan to kind of pass the torch to, and he's a kiss fan and he's a three stooges fan. And so am I, I listen to kiss. I watched three stooges. At one point we did a, a J.R. Ewing figure of Larry Hagman from Dallas because Dallas was one of his favorite shows growing up. And it was one of my favorite shows growing up. So it really is this strange, but awesome opportunity that I've been granted because I'm not only, you know, I've got the cool job working at the toy company, but literally am able to work hands-on with part of my childhood. Like I'm really working with things that have kind of shaped me and become a part of my personality and a part of my mindset because it's things that I've been a fan of all my life. Now, if you get the Saved by the Bell line, if this were to ever happen, how deep would you go? Would you get into like the the Tories, the the Violets? Of the world. Oh, I'd make the nerds, Mr. Tuttle. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Chester Verde, the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> Max? What about Max? We need a Max playset. I, I would do Max, you know, Mr. Carosi from the Beach Club. I mean, we'd get everybody in that line. I, I would do everybody. I mean, oh. It's actually funny that we're talking about that now because uh, my son and I are going to the Rhode Island Comic Con this Saturday as of this recording, and I will actually meet Mark Paul Gosseler for the first time in my life. Wow. Wow. I- I'm so jealous right now. I am so jealous. <laughs> yep. And my son, who's four, his name is Zach because he's named after Guess Who. And uh, he actually knows where his name comes from. And he runs to school every day telling his little four year old friends, I'm going to meet Zachary Morris on Saturday. And the rest of the four-year-olds are like, who's that? We don't, we don't know who that is. <laughs> He's wise beyond his years, my little guy. So where's the best place to pick up uh, figures, toy company figures? I know I've seen, uh, you're talking about like all the, like, the lines. I know I've seen some of those at Newberry Comics locally. But where's the best place, like retail, to get them and online? Online is at... Figurestoycompany.com, uh, all of the wrestling figures, the KISS figures, the DC figures, all of that stuff is up on Figurestoycompany.com. We still operate WrestlingSuperstore.com. Uh, all the wrestling figures are cross-promoted on there as well. You can purchase them on there. That site also has things like action figure gear. We have a ring that is exclusive. Uh, so the Ring of Honor ring, which is like a real scale style ring, uh, we sell a similar ring individually, and you can customize it with different color ring aprons and ring ropes. Uh, we have corner pads if you you want to set it up like a new Japan ring so you can customize, accessorize, get replicas, all that stuff from wrestlingsuperstore.com. Uh, as far as retail, you know, I'm always speaking to different wholesalers. There's nothing at mass retail because we are an independent toy company and everything, I wouldn't call it a short run, but you know, for a company like our size, you're looking at something like maybe 2,000, 2,500 figures. Whereas if you want to wind up in Target or Walmart, you've got to produce at least like 10 times that amount, if not more. So, you know, we're not up to uh, Mattel or Hasbro level with production that way, but places like Newberry Comics, you know, we've talked to places like Hot Topic, a lot of local comic shops, local sports shops, sports card shops, anyone who's shown interest in our products, we're willing to wholesale 99% of our product. So if there are any retailers out there listening that have checked out the FTC products, or if you collect them, or if you want to carry more in your store, you know, you can hit me up. You can follow me on social media, send an email to the contact page at the website. I'll get all that information and can get in touch with anyone who wants to carry our lines even further. Well, that's good information to have because ever since my, my, my boy who is three, who's a little bit younger, your boy has laid eyes on it. He has been nonstop asking for that ring of honor ring. So I'm sure coming up here on the Christmas season, uh, you'll see an order from uh, old Brian Malone as the figure store company for a, uh, a ring of honor ring, probably with a couple of action figures to go with it. <laughs> it has been called the best wrestling ring on the market by several hardcore collectors. Uh, you know, I'll get you their Twitter handles if you want proof, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is different than most of the rings you see out there. A lot of those rings just kind of have that plastic base, but you know, we make our rings with the removable ring apron and the turnbuckle hooks and everything like that. So it's as uh, authentic of a model of a real ring as you can get. So, Brian, here it is. It's your final push to get moved to the front of the line for Ring of Honor's next series. Uh, 
Make your pitch. <laughs> well, I, I think my pitch is going to have to uh, have to come by, uh, you know, what I do on television uh, in the next coming months and making sure I'm an important player uh, in, uh, in in Ring of Honor. So uh, maybe I'll, uh, you know, I, I might have some contract negotiations coming up here soon. So uh, maybe you'll be receiving a call as part of my demands and maybe the office won't up calling you uh, to move me up in production. <laughs> now, is there going to be a, a big burger variant based on this match that you've got coming up? Oh man, <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't get any special gear uh, for for that match because I didn't know about it until uh, well, until until it was announced on Twitter. So, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, hey, I've been switching up my look. I've been switching up gear. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have produced anybody that quite wears the same uh, the same gear that I do. So that'll be a that'll be a fun a fun challenge to you. And then and then you called me out when I said we it should come with uh, it should come with beers. Uh, you know, you challenged me on that, but I got to say, I think the bouncer's going to come with some beer. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we can see what we can do as far as accessories and everything. You know, that's all something that we can take a look at. You know, we want it to be as close to the television personality as we can get. So if we can get some cans in there, oh no, oh, that was the one that, uh, I missed when we were talking about the legends and stuff. Uh, speaking of beer, the Sandman coming out in the legends line and Sandman, he's a guy that's been done a lot of times, but he's a guy that has always been done in that modern style. Um, you know, he did the hack figure. And then when he was in WWE in the mid two thousands, this figure is actually based on a figure that was scrapped of the Sandman. And it's going to be him in the American flag Zubaz with the red shirt from 1995 ECW with a mid nineties head sculpt, as opposed to the modern one that his other figures had. So yeah, if the Sandman's coming out, then uh, you guys can vie for the beer can accessories. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And just make sure uh, when they sculpt my head that you, uh, you know, they capture my dimples uh, just right. <laughs> <laughs> I like smiley brawler. Yes. <laughs> so Chris, you actually have a podcast too, right? Uh, not exactly one of my own, but I am a frequent podcast guest and co-host, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Richard Yule, uh, he has the nerdy laser podcast and Richard's a, a pop culture junkie like myself. He's into a lot of things and he and I would get together, uh, every so often to talk about a lot of things. We've talked about the garbage pail kids movie. We've talked about the child's play series. We've talked about our memories of uh, video stores and uh, VHS collecting, uh, Stave by the Bell, naturally, and TV sitcoms. Uh, I've done a lot with him. Uh, I do write movie reviews for bulletproofaction.com. Uh, I have my own column, No Surrender Cinema, which is uh, at least one review a month, if not more. Uh, I just did the Happy Death Day movies in the spirit of the Halloween season, so you can check those out over there. And uh, yeah, I'm just appearing... Wherever I can, whether it's wrestling or pop culture, you know, I'm always ready to chat. So, yeah, I've done it for a lot of friends of mine. Uh, the guys over at Fully Posable, who are uh, a major part of the wrestling figure community. Uh, they're actually going to be on the next season of The Toys That Made Us on the wrestling figure episode. Uh, but they're two brothers out of California that I've known since they started out. And I'm on their show pretty frequently. Um, they're really cool in helping push the ROH line and the wrestling line. So, yeah, uh, whoever wants to have me, I'm happy to jump on. And as we mentioned, you are at Zach Malibu. We know why now on Twitter. And where else can people follow what's going on with Figures Toy Company? On Twitter, it's at Figures Toy Co. and at W-R-E-S underscore Superstore for the Wrestling Superstore page. Uh, if you want to seek them out on Instagram or Facebook, just search for the company names on either one of those media platforms. As the chief marketing officer, I'm actually in charge of the social media. So 99.9% .9 of those posts, retweets, responses are all from me. So feel free to hit me up on there. Um, you know, DMs are open. If you're a talent or if you have questions on product or anything that you want in private, you know, feel free to message me anytime. I will always get back to everyone as quickly as I can daily posts, daily previews. Uh, we have a weekly update every Friday about something that's coming down the pike. So there's lots of good stuff. We try to keep everybody on their toes with future releases and with the current products. Excellent. Well, uh, Chris Petrillo from Figures Toy Company, thanks so much. Uh, I know this has been a long time coming since you uh, met up with uh, the brawler here in Rhode Island at the, uh, what is it, uh, the New England Fan Fest, right, Brian? That's correct. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. All right. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode. Your thoughts on our discussion with Chris DiPetrillo of Figures Toy Company. Use the hashtag WPAN. Let us know your thoughts. Also, you can call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Before we get going here, 
Let's talk about booking the territory for a second here. The Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills, with our buddy Harper, with Doc Turner. Two podcasts come out a week. On Sundays, it's the Smoky Mountain Show. On Thursdays, it's the old WCW show, uh, World Championship Wrestling, the Saturday Night 605 show. They're reviewing both those shows and uh, talking some uh, mad... Uh, trash over there on booking the territory <laughs> so make sure to check that out mikemills.podbean.com for the southern style wrestling podcast and if you want to go north of the mason dixon that's our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast the go-to podcast for northern style old school wrestling and that is uh, hosted by little joe Murata and michael quinn ovppodcast.com for that podcast and they are doing the best and worst entrance music this season on the show a lot of fun make sure you check out ovppodcast.com the, the fabulous rougeau brothers better be in their top uh, of these rankings that's all i'm gonna say i would think they'd be very prominently featured yes <laughs> uh, so greetings from allentown that show with pw peter winston a local boy here from massachusetts just well just like me anyway you're up there in new hampshire i'm sorry to say god's country mike it's something uh greetings from allentown he talks about one single episode of wrestling television and breaks it down and breaks it down till it can't be broken down no more check out greetings from allentown and subscribe on his own feed and finally the rundown wrestling podcast which really isn't one solitary podcast anymore it is so many podcasts spread out over an entire network so check out rundownwrestling.com for all the shows you can listen to over there on the rundown wrestling network brian it is time for this week's promo about nothing but before we get into that you are hitting the highways byways and airways crisscrossing this great nation of ours plying your trade as a professional wrestler and you got them dates yeah, Mike, I'll be returning uh, to the ring. I got, I, got a, I got a weekend off here. Uh, ring of Honor uh, sadly was forced to postpone the Texas uh, shows uh, that were supposed to take place this coming weekend. So I have an unexpected weekend off. Wait a second, off. wait a second. Wait, did Mike Mills get those shut down? <laughs> I, you know, I think all your bad-mouthing of Mike Mills, he might have pissed him off. And you never know what sort of strings uh, Mike can pull. But no, I don't think Mike uh, had anything to do with it. Um, so I uh, won't be heading to Texas until June uh, of next year now with Ring of Honor. But uh, I'll be returning to action locally here in uh, a town that you're familiar with. I believe uh, uh, your old hometown, Wakefield, Massachusetts. Yes, sir. Yeah, for a for a tribute show to a guy that uh, you cut your teeth with, uh, Tony Rumble. So I think we've talked about for Tony Rumble, a uh, integral figure uh, in the New England independent wrestling scene. Uh, so a tribute show with lots of people who were very close to Tony. Uh, I was merely just a fan in the crowd uh, going to uh, Tony Rumble shows. So uh, very cool to be prominently featured on the poster and on the card for uh, for this event. So something very cool, and, and I'm very excited to take part in. That'll happen on uh, Friday night, November the 15th in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled on my social media. I'll be sharing all sorts of uh, links and whatnot on information on how you can get to that particular event. Uh, and then after that, Mike, I got I got a little bit of time off. I'm going some R&R, a nice 10-day vacation to the uh, happiest place on earth, or excuse me, the most magical place on earth, uh, Walt Disney World. You probably won't hear from me for, for a tad. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, but <laughs> I'll then be preparing for uh, Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view of the year final battle. It goes down in Baltimore, Maryland on Friday night, December the 13th, live on pay-per-view and on Honor Club. Uh, again, that is the uh, that is the big one on the Ring of Honor calendar. So can't wait to find out what uh, the bouncers will be doing at final battle. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes peeled uh, to Ring of Honor television and, of course, my social media to find out. Uh, and then two days later, I will be heading to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, the 2300 Arena for the final battle fallout television tapings that will take place uh, in Philadelphia. Check out ROHWrestling.com for uh, all that uh, ticket uh, information and card information. And then rounding out the year, the Millennium Wrestling Federation returns to Melrose Memorial Hall, the MWF. That's right. Uh, and I'll be returning to the MWF on December the 28th in Melrose, Massachusetts. Check out bostonwrestling.com for ticket and card information. The executioner cometh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the executioner is uh, is all done, buddy. He's been executed. 
<laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I'm fresh out of pantyhose. <laughs> well, if you want to book the former executioner, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at brianmalonis. This week's promo about nothing comes from the year 1994. And we're hitting the indie scene. We've done a lot of WWF and WCW lately. We're hitting the indies. This is Championship Wrestling of America based out of Indiana. And Brian, this one I've uh, really enjoyed for a long time. I'm going to share it with you here. Sadly, the best part of this is more of a visual. We will leave the link, of course, in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. But there's a short promo followed by a segment that happened in the gymnasium for Championship Wrestling of America. But it starts out with a promo with Jeff Cohen. He is interviewing Superstar Junior Carr. This week's promo about nothing. Hi there, wrestling fans. I'm standing here with Superstar Junior Carr, the one and only true superstar of Championship Wrestling of America. Friday night, don't be bored. A battle royal, all wrestlers armed with boards. A 12-man battle royal, everybody has a board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike you know Samples. what it feels like to get hit with a board? Do you know Jeff Cohen? And I don't... Do you know? No. Do you people out there know? What about you, pal? You know what it feels like to get hit with a board? No. You don't? Well, I'm going to show you what it feels like. You've lost your mind, Samples. I, mean, I, I don't understand what's going on. I have no idea. Somebody's somebody. It's a it's somebody. A get out of the way. It's a no, no, no. Brian, that uh, we just witnessed a crime right there. <laughs> did did we though? <laughs> <laughs> what is the crime? How that went down? <laughs> yes. So I'll let, I'll let you describe what happened, and then I'll give my comparison. <laughs> well, we'll start with the promo, first of all. You had a superstar junior car, um, just a guy wearing uh, some sort of pleather vest and uh, a headband that looks vaguely superstar Jimmy Snuka-esque. He's got a nice mullet. He's a, a stocky gentleman. Uh, really, if you think superstar, you think probably the opposite of Junior Carr, <laughs> would you say? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> so uh, he's standing there, and before you can even say a word, Mike Samples enters the picture. Uh, they're talking about this battle royal called Don't Be Bored, which uh, I don't <laughs> Quite a play on words there. It's very punny, right? <laughs> this past weekend, uh, you were taking part in uh, a punny show, correct? A punny match, anyway. I sure was. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Samples comes into frame, and he's holding a board uh, of some description, not quite a two-by-four, a very thin board, a very wide board, and he asks... Junior Carr, if he's ever been hit with a board before, and in the only thing this guy ever says in his interview, he says, "No." It was I, so nonchalant. I mean, of all the crazy things, I mean, this honestly might have uh, popped me the most. No. I mean, I mean, when you think of like a wrestling promo or something like that, you expect like a little. I don't know. You ever been hit with a board? No. You would, right, think, you would think he would have seen this coming since Mike Samples was holding a board. Uh, yeah. But no, he didn't because you know why? He, I don't think Junior Carr moved. He's staring straight at camera the entire time while Mike Samples walks in with the board. He, he, his gaze was never averted from the camera. It's like Cindy Brady looking into the red light. He never, <laughs> until he was actually addressed by Mike Samples, uh, Junior Carr is just staring straight ahead. And then he says, no. And then Mike Samples, of course, hits him over the head with the board. <laughs> well, to be fair, he'd never been hit with one. So maybe that's why you didn't see it coming as well, Mike. That, that could be as well. Yeah, that, that could be an, an issue. Well, the biggest issue, Brian is from there we go to the arena where Mike Samples is again with Jeff Cohen. 
and they're in well arena it's it's a gymnasium you can tell here and <laughs> the cut on this by the way you as a video editing uh uh person uh, you must have been really impressed by the uh by the work here yeah it was it was something i mean they could have used another <laughs> camera and done something with it but uh, there's not much you can do when it's one camera just fixed on the action or uh lack thereof as they are standing there uh by the way not another soul to be seen uh, in this. Uh, uh, well, I mean, you, you see them later on once he approaches. But what happens here is that they are in the gym and Mike Samples sees a car approaching. It's driving right into the gym. <laughs> and it's coming right for him. So he pushes Jeff Cohen out of the way, says, watch out. And... Waits 45 seconds. About 10 seconds later, the car <laughs> hits him and doesn't quite hit him. Can you describe the impact here, Brian? So have you ever seen these? Uh, I've seen quite a few of them, but they're like people who are trying to get some sort of insurance claim. So a car will sort of come to a stop and they'll sort of charge into it. Uh trying to pretend they were hit. That's exactly what this reminded me of. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would do more damn, and I'm not a fast man, Michael. I am not a fast, uh, I'm not, I'm not very swift uh, <laughs> on my feet, but I'm pretty sure that I would do more damage uh, running into somebody than this car going less than five miles an hour uh, did to this fella. I thought my player was playing in slow motion, but it was no, it was, it was regular speed. And yeah, the impact, I, I use the word impact. The, there, there was no impact. He, he, he like puts his hands on the hood and then just kind of rolls off of it. And uh, <laughs> he may have hurt himself more hitting the ground than the car. I'm sure he did. It, Mike Samples was a an old uh, USWA guy uh, around this time, maybe a little before. Maybe he witnessed the Eddie Gilbert, uh, Jerry Lawler car angle in the parking lot at the Memphis TV studio. And that was, I mean, that looked good. It was at a decent clip, a decent speed. And Jerry Lawler kind of hits the car, rolls off of it. And maybe Mike Samples took this to Indiana with him and said, I saw this thing with... Eddie Gilbert and Jerry Lawler with the car. We can do that. And uh, yeah. No, no, you can't. <laughs> no, they can't. Maybe no. Junior, uh, maybe Junior, who we who we can reveal is the uh, driver. He didn't do it for The Rock. He did it for, uh, I don't know who. But uh, I like a Junior car and he's driving the car. That's, that's cool. It, it, it kind of comes full circle. But yeah, you have to watch this video to see the lack of, of impact in this high velocity uh incident here <laughs> and for yeah, wrestling of america uh stone cold getting run over it was not it certainly was not and the the crowd of uh i'm, I'm looking at here i'm counting maybe 50 people and they're only on two sides of the ring they were flabbergasted at the stun, stun silence like. <laughs> <laughs> yes usually they say that when uh something goes over like a fart in church and the crowd makes no noise that's the uh, code oh stunned they're stunned into silence yeah no it just it's fucking awful <laughs> oh i'm glad this is part of i'm glad this is part of my life now <laughs> so yes, uh, we want you to check this out. It's actually a link to Facebook. So go, if you uh, want to see the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. And this, like, more than ever, any anytime I've ever said this, you must go watch this video. The link will be there on the website or in the description. And Brian... That is it for us. We'll be back here next Monday for episode 185 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, for Brian Fury in Florida, he's Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs>